that's the great part about you know uh, playing baseball at Mississippi State was was the fact that you know the fans were so rabid about coming out and seeing us play and and they support us no matter whether it was at home or on the road we uh, we drew a lot of a lot of fans on the road too as well hello and welcome to the dog pile podcast i'm matt wyatt in this episode i catch up with mississippi state legend will clark believe me it was a in a word thrill for me and hope it is for you too this podcast is presented by mississippi land bank where they understand the lay of the land and when you have a land need in north mississippi buying or selling anything land related go there first find the mississippi land bank branch office nearest you online at mslandbank.com. And Dogpile is also brought to you in part by a new sponsor, Nest and Wild. It's a Mississippi-based mattress company. Now listen, Nest and Wild makes high-quality, 100% American-made mattresses that are delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. They provide a better quality sleep, which, let's be honest, you need. Every Nest and Wild mattress, any size, is 12 inches thick unlike the 8- or 10-inch mattresses you find elsewhere. Nest & Wild believes in their products so much that they are offering a 99-night trial on every mattress. Try it out, sleep on it for 99 nights, and if you don't like it, send it back. Plus, fight cancer in your sleep. A portion of every mattress sold at Nest & Wild goes back to Jason Mott's foundation in the fight against cancer. So it's easy to buy. A Nest and Wild mattress. Listen up. Go to nestandwild.com. Order your mattress. Use the podcast code BULLY20. That's BULLY20 to save 20% on all sizes. And you're going to get a free pillow top mattress pad with your order. Your mattress will arrive at your door within three to five business days. That's nestandwild.com. Use code BULLY20 for 20% off. Growing up, I collected baseball cards. I had a three-ring binder for all the pages of cards, and the first five pages always held cards for my favorite players. And I still have that book, the baseball cards. And the first five pages hold, in no particular order, Dale Murphy, Tony Gwynn, Greg Maddox, Bo Jackson, and Will Clark. Nobody played with more confidence, more swagger, than Will the Thrill. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. Oh, he's done it. On his face most of the time. The drive to right and deep. Dawson going back on the track to the Ivy. It's gone. Home run, Will Clark. And the Giants take a four to two. He was the personification of the word competitive. Longtime San Francisco Giants general manager Al Rosen said, if you had 25 Will Clarks, you'd never have to worry about winning. And we could all see it coming, starting with his first major league at bat. Facing Mr. Nolan Ryan, uh, I was able to uh, get a 1-1 fastball, and thank God I didn't miss it, and went out of center field in the Houston Astrodome and cruised around the bases, touch home plate, pointed to my family. I was up in the stands, and was sitting on the bench after everything sort of subsided, and I was sitting next to Chili Davis, and uh, 
No, I looked at Chili and I said, he's going to hit me next at bat. And Chili looked at me and said, oh, yes, he is. And uh, next at bat, he was in his windup and I was already on the way to the ground. That interview done several years ago by KNBR 680 in San Francisco. There was this grit with Will the Thrill, but at the same time, there was the elegance and grace of that iconic left-handed swing. Will Clark, one of the great hitters in the National League, one of the great hitters in baseball, has a double and two home runs, one of them a grand slam, and that has broken it wide open. Every swing for the next 20 years from a lefty seemed to be compared to his. On the face, Will Clark, deep down the left field line, Anderson to the wall, it's a home run. Now, the Giants this spring are retiring Clark's number 22. And they'll permanently hang his in numerical order right next to the retired number 24 of Willie Mays. And that's Will Clark. That's where he belongs, among the all-time greats. He's got one thing on his mind. But before he was number 22 for the Giants, he was number 23 for the Diamond Dogs of Mississippi State. If you go to a game at the new Duty Noble Field, you'll stop, take a selfie by the statues of Clark and Paul Merrill, thunder and lightning. Right behind the home plate entrance, about this time last year, they revealed those. In this interview with Will Clark, we cover some ground, including playing for Ron Polk and the honor of having his number retired by the Giants. Um, you know, myself being in pro ball now, um, you know, if they do, um, you know, get into pro ball, they won't have a stadium like that to play in until they get on the the, the AAA level or maybe even major league level. Some of these guys that, that aren't going to get into pro ball, they, they should be very appreciative of what they have in front of them and, and what kind of fan support they have to there as well. Sure. I know you've probably been asked um, eight million times in your life, you know, about playing for Coach Polk and and what it was like and that kind of thing. Um, you guys still stay in touch, you and Coach Polk? Yeah, we're in touch quite a bit. Um, and you know, playing for him was was special because uh, you know here I was a a green, you know, high school senior had never been away from home. And then, uh, you know, I come up to Mississippi state and, uh, you know, he took me under his wing and, you know, didn't, uh, baby me, uh, made me earn everything. And, uh, you know, I owe him my debt of gratitude for, you know, the career that I had later on was directly as a result of his tutelage. Mm. Did you ever have a time where you got sideways with Coach Polk? Like for those of us who never played for him, it's hard to picture him as like a disciplinarian uh, or you know something like that. Uh, yeah, we had uh, we had one incident uh, my, my junior year where things got a little uh, off to the side a little bit, and uh, you know he uh, he he addressed the the situation perfectly and. It wasn't just myself. It was uh, several members of the team, but uh, he addressed it perfectly, and, and we just went on about uh, the rest of the season. There, there were rumors um, over the years of, at times, 
he was a stickler for being on time or being early. And if you weren't on the bus on time, he'd leave you. Did you ever see any of that? No, there wasn't. That wasn't uh, a rumor. That's the fact. Um, <laughs> we um, we had a schedule every day, um, and you would there would it'd be posted in several places. Um, you know, just just so everybody could could make sure that they saw it. Uh, we had an athletic dorm back then. It was MacArthur Hall, mm-hmm. and so they'd post one of those schedules there. They'd post the other schedule um, at the field, and. Uh, our schedule would be laid out literally by the minute. Hmm. So like, so like, you know, three Oh two, you know, right field line for cutoffs and relays, and, <laughs> you know, uh, three twenty one batting practice begins. And <laughs> we had a, we had a manager uh, that had a uh, air horn. And I mean, when it was three Oh two, I mean, he'd blow that air horn. Everybody would run to wherever they needed to go to. And it wasn't none of this walking around. We ran to wherever we needed to be. And, you know, like I said, 321, he'd blow the air horn again. So, uh, you know, uh, definitely Coach Polk was a stickler for for time. And uh, uh, we got a lot of stuff done on the field in a very short period of time. And part of the reason was because he was so organized. Yeah. Will, um, you know, coming to now, you're obviously still heavily involved with the Giants and, and helping young players, and but but they are uh, tipping their cap to you and going to retire that number 22 Giants jersey uh, coming up this spring. Um, I, I guess some of the honor obviously goes without saying, but when you found out that that was going to happen, how did it land on you? Well, you know, they had, uh, the Giants had a rule um, that they were not going to um, retire jerseys from people that weren't in the Hall of Fame. So you had to be a Hall of Famer. And then, um, I think it was two years ago, they retired uh, Barry Bonds' jersey. And, uh, you know, Barry was not in the Hall of Fame. That's So that sort of opened the door for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had heard some some uh, you know movement of that in the front office and then last year uh, uh, they called me in to the front office and uh, one of the owners and, and one of the directors of marketing who is a very good friend they said that they were going to retire my jersey and but he said I can't say anything until you know we have a ceremony and the ceremony was like two or three months down the road yeah and so, you know, I, I, needless to say, I told my wife, but I couldn't tell anybody else. I was just, I was jumping through my skin, you know, wanting to tell somebody and I couldn't do it. But then once the, once the ceremony came around, everybody, everybody's all ex- excited. And uh, I know that uh, they have the ceremony this year is going to be July 11th, which is right before the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, absolutely unbelievable because you know my number will be up on the wall and uh, numerically just the way it lies uh i'm gonna be up there next to willie mays who's the best that's ever played willie mays 24 mel Ott's number four uh gaylord perry number 36 barry bonds and will clark i mean that's pretty sweet right there yep yep <laughs> willie mccovey juan marichal uh, Orlando Cepeda, Johnny Mize, 
there's just a few of the other ones too. And, uh, you know, the, the Giants have an unbelievable, you know, rich history and, uh, to be part of that and to, to have your number retired by an organization is mind blowing. And, uh, you know, for me, and this is what I told everybody, I said, this is my hall of fame. Um, you know, just that the organization decided that, you know, what I did on the field and what I do off field for the organization, you know, deserves enough credit where they're going to retire that number. Well, it's just incredible, you know, I can't say a big enough congrats to you. But for those of us who, you know, I don't want to make myself sound like I'm that much younger than you. I'm really not. But I, I was, a, you know, a kid and, you know, young adolescent coming up watching you play. Uh, so we're just, you know, big old congrats. Will, I remember, I think it was 91. I think that was maybe the first year where Deion Sanders played for the Braves. And, I, and I, my parents took me to a Braves game. We didn't go very much but just every so often and we got there in time for batting practice Deion Sander you're in the cage but and I guess he was done but not in the locker room yet and he came over and was signing a bunch of autographs right in front of us right behind the cage for younger kids and I, I was just standing watching all this and one of the kids pointed at the cage and said hey do you know Will Clark and Deion Sanders says yeah I know him he said y'all watch this and then he paused and you hit a ball and then he said to the group of kids, he goes, sounds a little different when he hits it, doesn't it? <laughs> he was telling that to those kids. And we were all like, oh, yeah, it sounds different. And so our, our attention then kind of was, you know, listening to the ball off your bat. Why did the ball jump off your bat like it did? Um, because it would almost be like, uh, to, to put it in, like, different terms, it would be like watching, like, the one of the upper – professional golfers mm -hmm. you know they yeah. they just catch the ball all the time so pure and the ball you know jumps off their golf club and goes so far and uh, it's it's very similar to a hitter that catches the ball right on the screws all the time and everything's pure and it just like Eon said and and you know, it's not the only one that said that i mean i've i've several i mean i'm talking about like in the fifties or sixties, mm. how many people have said the ball makes a different sound coming off your bat. And that's, that's exactly what happens when you catch a ball pure off of a wood bat, it just completely makes a different sound. And, you know, I still give, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, lessons to, you know, some of our minor leaguers, but then I'll give a lesson here and there at the, to some like local little high schoolers and stuff like that. And then when I pick up a bat and I swing it, they go, Mr. Will, that makes a different sound. And I go, yeah, that's, that's the difference in between, you know, an upper echelon pro and then just somebody who's, who's doing it here and there. Yeah. So because, you know, I mean, you would bat to be totally honest, if you don't catch it right on the screws, mm. the ball doesn't go anywhere. Mm. And, and so, you know, you've got to work really hard to, to catch the ball right on the screws. Kind of like hitting a golf ball with the old persimmon woods, you know? Like exactly. Exactly. That's a very, very good analogy. Very good analogy. But, you know, another thing, too, is, you know, if you don't catch the ball right, right on the button, you know, uh, you know, you'll have a tendency to break bats. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, for me, you know, I could, I could go through a whole season, um, 
and that's including batting practice. I could go through a whole season with maybe four or five bats. Wow. And that's some of my teammates were in the six, seven dozens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you were a very, um, you were like a conservationist hitter. You, you were doing your part. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was a, was a mark of, of a great hitter, you know, yeah. in that, you know, when he came to the plate, you know, when you looked at his bat, all, all of marks were all in the same spot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you'd have, you'd have other guys, you know, that would have, you know, marks from the tip of the bat all the way down to the handle. And you were like, all right, wait a second. He's, he's not doing the right things. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's pause for 60 seconds and a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with more Will Clark right after this. Every farmer understands their farm can't thrive without some good partners like sun, soil, and rain. And farmers in North Mississippi also rely on another important partner, Mississippi Land Bank, because land and farm financing are Mississippi Land Bank's primary focus. We've grown alongside these farmers' crops for more than 100 years. We understand what a farmer needs, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi, and that's where I stand. This podcast is brought to you in part by Nest and Wild Mattresses. Go to nestandwild.com. Order your mattress, a 100% American-made mattress by a Mississippi company. Use the podcast code BULLY20, that's BULLY20, to save 20% on all sizes. And when you do that, you're going to get a free pillow top mattress pad with your order. Then your order is going to arrive at your door within three to five business days. That's nestandwild.com. Use code BULLY20 for 20% off. Will, um, I'm, I'm going to take up about maybe three, four more minutes of your time, and I'm going to do it selfishly. Um, growing up as a kid, you know, we all had favorite players that we idolized, and we'd flip through. About the, and the way I arranged my baseball card book was the first five pages were my favorite players. Okay, my first five pages of cards. You were one of those five. And I want to ask you about each of the other four who you would know and have played with at, uh, and or against at one time or another. And I'll start you off with Dale Murphy. What do we need to know about Dale Murphy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, big, huge, tall guy. Uh, you really don't know how big he is until you stand next to him. Hmm. Um, but just... Unbelievable gentleman. Mm-hmm. Dale was one of the guys that I totally respected in the game. Um, you know, we had several, you know, conversations at first base because, you know, he was he was such a good hitter that, you know, he was on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, till this day, is a guy that I really respect uh, from, from a ball player standpoint. Played the game the right way. Played it hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, was a was a consummate teammate. Um, this is one I'm. You know, everybody talks about. Obviously, uh, Tony Gwynn. Tony uh, might be my best friend in baseball. Uh, reason being, we could never get him out, so he was always at first base. <laughs> and, um, I learned, <laughs> yeah, I learned uh, so much from him. We had conversations about everything from A to Z. Anything 
you wanted to talk about hitting wise, Tony and I had conversations about it, and we also had conversations about like family and stuff like that. He had uh, his son Anthony at the time, and we talk about that. And uh, you know, Tony Gwynn was just a true, true gentleman, and and like I said, one of my best friends in baseball. And it's sad to see, uh, you know, he, he passed away, and he's not here anymore. Yeah. Um. Greg Maddox, Mad Dog. Greg Maddox, uh, we had some ep- epic battles. Um, the uh, you know not only during the season but in the postseason, and not only with the Giants but when I was with the Cardinals too. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, just one of the best all-around competitors. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing out on the mound and he could execute time and time again. And, uh, you know, every time you stepped in the batter's box again, against him, you knew you had your, your work cut out for you. You knew you had to bust your tail in order to, you know, try to uh, beat him. And, uh, you know, he and I, uh, have had some, uh, some mad bats that giants fans are, Absolutely, truly remembering till this day, mm-hmm. and and rightfully so. And then um, last one uh, for me, Will, would be Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, wow! Um, <laughs> played against Bo uh, in college, and yeah. you know Bo was just starting uh, getting his baseball career going in college, and still you could just tell the phenomenal athlete that he was, but he was just really raw. And, uh, you know, we were a little bit more advanced uh, in college than he was, but uh, because of his athletic ability, he caught up really quick and, uh, you know, saw him again in pro ball and and had the pleasure of facing him a few times in pro ball. And, uh, you know, wow, it's, it's amazing the body and the athleticism and what he could do. And uh, I'm just really sorry that, you know, his career got cut short because of the injury. Sure. Well, can't thank you enough. As a as a kind of a send out, we have a lot of people who listen to the show in a podcast who also have young kids that play baseball. If a, if a young kid walks up to you just randomly, they see you at a game and they say, hey, Mr. Clark, what do I need to do to be a hitter, you know, as good a hitter as you? What do I need to do to be a major league hitter like you were? What I need to do? What what advice do you give them? Uh, the the few bits of advice that I give, you know, a kid like that is remember to have fun, okay? Because baseball is a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember to have fun. Second off, if you want to be really successful, work hard and use your common sense. And then third is you must love competition. If you don't love competition, baseball is not the sport for you because. It is a failure-oriented game. Mm. We're going to fail seven out of ten times, and we're going to be great hitters. Mm. And, uh, you know, baseball is also the only sport to where you can do everything absolutely right. I mean, take the best swing, hit it right on the screws, and somebody will be standing there catching it. <laughs> so you have to deal with a lot of failure. If you can do those three things, have fun, you know, work hard, and, and accept the failure, then you have uh, a pretty good shot at doing well in the sport. Well, hey, thank you so much, and um, I know that there are going to be quite a few wearing maroon and white there the day this spring when they retire your number, and we'll all be there in spirit, man. Really appreciate you. 
Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I look forward to, uh, you know, what this next year is going to have coming in front of me, but uh, also look forward to, you know, seeing everybody at state because uh, I know I'm, as of right now, I know one of my teammates, Bobby Sakepen, you know, he's getting his ring of honor uh, this year, and I'm going to try to make it up there and support him. So I hope to see everybody at state as well. Will, listen, thank you so much for the, uh, again, I just really, really appreciate it. Very gracious of you. No problem at all, Matt. You take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Dogpile and supporting the podcast. Uh, I can't say thanks enough. It means everything uh, to me, but also to our sponsors. I hope that you'll um, look for an opportunity to say hi to the folks at Mississippi Land Bank. And if you ever have a land need, farmland, hunting land, building a home, you need a spot to do that, buying or selling. In North Mississippi, look up Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com. And Nest and Wild, a great Mississippi company that are making really high quality mattresses, thicker than most, better than most. You get better sleep and they're giving you a chance to order yours and try it for 99 nights. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. Go to their website, nestandwild.com. Use code BULLY20, that's BULLY20, and save 20% on all sizes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next Dog Pile. See you then, and hail state.